0: So your book, um, Your Body in Balance, is focused around um, a plant-based diet, um, focused on how we can help our um, hormones interact in our bodies or helps balance out our hormones using um, a a diet.
1: Exactly. Uh, For many people, they really don't even know what hormones are, let alone how to control them. And that really leaves us uh, without the power that we can put to work. You know, so many folks figure you've got pain of one type or another, and maybe a medication might help you with that, or you're trying to deal with your weight or cholesterol or blood pressure. We we, we don't really deal with these things in much detail, and the diets we use aren't terribly effective, and that leads us to medical care that kind of leaves us with more medications than we'd want. And if we learn how foods can adjust our hormones, which is something people haven't really thought about. But if you can do that, it gives you power that you never really had before.
0: Right. And so somebody who's on, I mean, the majority of people I know who have um, thyroid conditions, especially hypothyroidism are on, you know, an altroxin or a Levothyroxine or an Armour or Nature Thyroid. Um, can we, as somebody who's been given this, uh, a prescription pill like that, can we, like, as regular humans, um, you know, choose better with our diets and actually make a help, or does it need to, kind of, do we need to eliminate the medication first and work on our diet, or or can they work together?
1: It's perfectly okay to change your diet first without changing your medication, and then your caregiver can help you back off the medication when the time is right. That's perfectly fine. Or if you are at the point of not having had medications. It's, in most cases, uh, safe and fine for you to work with your caregiver to say, you know, I don't think I want to take medications yet. Let me see if I can tackle this with diet changes. Um, I should say that in doing that, um, I think that, first of all, I think it's a great thing to do. I think that if you can tackle a dietary cause of a problem, you're miles ahead. Um, And it can save you a lifetime of taking medication. But it's also important to recognize that just some kind of dabbling with diet is not going to help you very much. So I'll be kind of semi-vegan on Wednesdays and Fridays, and you know, th- that's not going to really get you very far. You really have to jump in, make some, make some serious diet changes, and see where it brings you. And for some people, it brings them to a completely unexpected level of health.
0: Yeah. So how does... So you mentioned vegan, a vegan-based diet there. Um, how does that actually work in our bodies to help? How is that, how is that connected to the thyroid?
1: Uh, the thyroid gland is this funny organ that is trying its best to make hormones. Um, and the, the hormones control our energy and so many other aspects of our, our lives. And and there, there are really two things that can go wrong. Uh, one is that you cannot have enough iodine in your diet. That's worldwide. That's the most common reason for hypothyroidism. Uh, but for many, and and, and the, by the way, there the answer is just to get some iodine in your diet, which you can do with uh, in the United States, iodized salt is very common. It's not so common in other countries, but you can find it. Um, or just taking an iodine supplement. Or my very favorite thing is to stack uh, stock up on seaweeds. Like the nori that's wrapped around your sushi or the wakame that's in your miso soup. That in, in Japan, the iodine content of the diet is enormous. And it's really thanks to all the seaweed that they eat. But unfortunately, so many other countries aren't so big on seaweed. Right. Um, and although it's a great thing, it's a great skill to learn. But th- the biggest thing here that we're seeing in the US, and that you see also in many other countries, is not it's not a lack of iodine, it's antibodies. And the problem is that antibodies a- antibodies form in your body to destroy invaders. They are like protein torpedoes that are made by they're made by white blood cells and they knock out invaders, like a virus or a bacterium that's entered. And what we see is that some of these antibodies, they form, and instead of attacking a virus, they're attacking your thyroid gland. And when they do that and they turn the thyroid down or off, it's Hashimoto's thyroiditis, very common. And so what we believe is happening is that certain foods are triggering the production of these antibodies. And our chief suspects are, well, our chief suspect is dairy Dairy products. uh, Dairy consumers have a lot more hypothyroidism compared to people who avoid dairy. Uh, Meat may also contribute, but you don't have to decide in advance. You just throw these things out of your diet and see if you don't get better.
0: Yeah. So um, it's funny you say that because I'm Irish and um, I, you know, spent 24 years of my life in Ireland. And obviously we have um, great farming and great access to um, what we call good quality dairy products, um, you know, from local farms and stuff. So it's very interesting to hear from that perspective because dairy would have been such a, huge part of an an Irish diet, um, you know, us not knowing better. Um, So that's very, very interesting.
1: Well, you know, a lot of people imagine that there's such a thing as good quality dairy, you know, and what they mean is it's from a happy cow in an organic environment fed good food, but organic, good quality dairy is sort of like good quality poison ivy um, or (laughs) something like that. In other words, it, it can be organic and so forth, but it, it, you may love it. It doesn't love you back. It creates all kinds of problems because whether we like it or not, we are not cows. Right. Um, and so if you as a great ape, which is what nature hates to remind you that you actually are, um, if you as a, a baby were suckling from a cow, it's not quite the right Protein, not quite the right fat, not quite the right nutrition overall for you. And if you do it as an adult, you're introducing antigens into your body that your body, in some cases, will react to. Some people get away with it; other people don't.
0: Right. And so the dairy, the, the dairy in your diet, um, can trigger the antibodies, which can then go on to trigger something like um, Hashimoto's um, hypothyroidism. Can hypothyroidism be caused by something other than the than the Hashimoto's. In that case, where does that instigate? Where does that start in the body?
1: Um, yes, well as I, as I mentioned earlier, you know, Hashimoto's, at least in the US and many other countries, is the, the big issue. Um, uh, it's an antibody cause. Mm. Uh, and there we believe the diet is inciting it. And and there's really no way to know if diet will will get you better unless you just try it and i would encourage everybody to just start and and i can tell you how to how we do a vegan diet it's very very easy and you don't have to believe in it you just have to attempt it and it's very quick very easy and you can see but worldwide the biggest reason is what we already covered and that's iodine deficiency um and a lot of people nowadays are running low in iodine in in a surprising for a surprising reason um here in the united states back in the 1920s iodized salt was introduced and so you get a canister of salt and there's iodine in it and it pretty much wiped out low, low iodine uh and everybody was getting all the iodine they needed and everybody's thyroid was humming along and happy um except that nowadays people eat sea salt yeah or they eat Himalayan salt or they eat kosher salt and it's not iodized unless it specifically says so on the label And so you're running low in iodine and they're they're busily not having seaweed. They're not taking a supplement. So their poor thyroid is just hanging out to dry, not getting, if it does not get iodine, it cannot make thyroid hormone. And it's the simplest thing in the world to just introduce the iodine back in your diet. Go to the health food store, go online. They will sell you iodine, usually as a kelp derived supplement and 150 micrograms a day. And off you go. And you just test yourself and see how you do.
0: So, are you treating patients with, um, with iodine and, and seeing res- good results, or is it a case by case basis?
1: Well, it, it's a case by case basis in the sense that it, you, it's useful to understand what is the cause of the, of the hypothyroidism. For some people, it's low iodine, and, and, and it's easy to test for that. Um, and for others, it, they're, they're not low in iodine, um, and they've got antibodies, and it's relatively easy to test for that too. Um, But that said, when in doubt, uh, it's not a bad idea to make sure that you're getting adequate iodine. You don't want to overdo it with iodine. I mentioned the recommended amount is 150 micrograms a day. Yeah. More is not better. If you say, wow, 150 does this much good, I should take 1,500 or 15,000, do not do that. Um, If you have too much iodine, it can cause thyroid problems too. So the amount you need is 150 micrograms a day. And if you can, you can just take it as a supplement. Or as I mentioned earlier, if a person is getting about a third of a teaspoon of iodized salt per day, they're getting well on their way to getting a good iodine intake. Or if you eat like a Japanese person and and get lots and lots of seaweed salad every day, you're probably doing fine there too.
0: Okay, got it. And so would it be accurate to say that um, the cause of, of hypothyroidism is either um, the antibodies or the low iodine. Di- yes,
1: yes. I mean, and, and there can be other causes too. If you, if you had surgery okay. or a trauma or something like that, uh, if a person has, say, a thyroid cancer and they, the treatment involves removal of the thyroid, well, you have become hypothyroid. And it has nothing to do with antibodies or, or iodine.
0: Okay. and is it, um, So for me, I have it, and then a lot of people in my family have it as well. Is it genetic?
1: It, you can see it run through families, but like so many things, there is a mixture of, of genes and what I'm going to call environment, but environment is just a, a polite way of saying what you eat. Um, we don't just give our kids DNA. We give our kids recipes and yeah. we give our kids sort of preferences for certain foods. So let's say, for example, you react badly to dairy proteins and it's it seems to be the protein that might be the offending agent. If you don't react well to it and yet your family eats lots of dairy products, especially cheese, which is a very high protein, high fat uh, dairy food if you're eating a lot of that, and then your kids eat a lot of it and your grandkids too, then if you also don't react well to dairy, then neither will they.
0: Okay. And when when you say react well, or, you know, I, I I don't feel unwell when I eat dairy products, I don't bloat, I don't feel sick or anything like that. I don't have any digestive issues, but it's happening on the inside. And um, it could be, it's obviously not helping my thyroid very much considering I have, Hashimoto's for 15 years. <laughs> so- um, yeah.
1: No, no, we can't say for a given person that it was the dairy. Although, um, although by eliminating these things, if, if you were to, let's say a person is eliminating all of those foods and their Hashimoto's goes away, then that's a pretty good clue that it was something that, that you're eating. Um, but yeah, and, and I should say that, that people, you a, a person's ability to, to digest dairy products has nothing whatsoever to do with whether it causes a thyroid yeah. problem or not, because what causes indigestion with dairy in most cases is the dairy sugar, which is lactose. And most white people um, digest lactose pretty well through most of adulthood. Um, it's just due to a genetic trait that they carry through that causes these, these baby enzymes that we have that are called lactase, designed to, to, to break up the lactose sugar Normally, those would go away after the age of weaning, but for many white people from dairying ancestry, they carry this enzyme uh, this uh mutation that causes the enzyme to persist but the okay. fact that you the fact that you can digest the sugar doesn't mean it doesn't mean that the protein isn't going to cause problems for you, and the protein is the one that causes we believe the antibody reaction
0: got it so. Um, talk to me about um, the vegan diet. I know you speak a lot about a high fiber, low fat, obviously, um, you know, there's so many fats, good fats that are vegan, but people can, you know, there can be a, a strong imbalance there with people going too high on the fat. So your whole theory is to keep it super high fiber and low fat kind of whole food, plant based diet. Um, sometimes I've you refer to as just a low-fat vegan diet. Um, why is it, why the priority on the fiber?
1: Uh, well, I don't recommend that you r- race out and buy a fiber supplement. Um, it's just that fiber is, fiber is this terribly boring word that puts people to sleep, but it's actually a really great thing. It's the roughage that's in vegetables or in fruits or in beans or whole grains. And that roughage um, has some really nice qualities that one of its uh, great attributes is that it really doesn't have much in the way of calories so people who eat a high fiber intake they tend to lose weight pretty well it keeps you regular digestive wise and it also helps trap cholesterol and carry it out of your body so that's all great but the other thing and and I wrote about this quite a lot in your body and balance is that fiber has this amazing ability to carry bad things out of your body so let's say Let's say a young woman comes into my clinic and she's got one day every month where she cannot function because she's got cramps, menstrual cramps. And every, every one or two days a month, she, she's not going to school or not going to work or whatever it is because she is maybe that 10% of women who where the cramps are really bad. Um, in her case, a high fiber vegan diet is going to be her best friend because her cramps are driven by excess estrogen in, in many cases. The estrogen is thickening up the lining of her uterus too much during the month, and she feels it at the end of the month as all of that thickened endometrial lining produces prostaglandins that cause cramps. Um, The fiber carries excess estrogens literally out of the intestinal tract into the toilet, Um, and that way you don't have so much estrogenic stimulation all month long. Um, the, the the detail is that the estrogens are filtered by the liver from the blood, and they are then sent through the bile duct into the intestine. Fiber grabs them and carries them away, and if you are not eating fiber, the estrogens estrogens are reabsorbed back into your blood circulation, and they don't go away.
0: Yeah, and so so for anybody experiencing um, symptoms of high estrogen. You would obviously prescribe uh, or recommend a, a high fiber diet to kind of to eliminate that. Does that does that work more often than it doesn't?
1: Um, yeah, it works great. And for uh, although when I let me describe the way I would put it, I would say if, let let's say you were coming to me and you you had this issue, I would say a couple of rules. The rule number one is no animal products at all. So no meat, no cheese, no no eggs, whatever, because. If everything you're eating from a plant, if, if everything you're eating is from a plant, every mouthful will have fiber. If you're eating cheese, milk, ice cream, salmon, organic wild caught salmon, um, it has zero fiber, and it has it has a lot of fat in it. And fat has the opposite effect; fat will increase estrogen production. So you don't you don't want that at all. But then, the, but there's, there's another step. So vegan is number one. That means no animal products. Number two is keep oils really really low. And so that means not just avoiding the animal fat like butter, but avoid fried stuff and um, salad dressings that are oily. Use the non-fat ones and you'll discover that that really helps you. That, so that's really the combination. And the fiber will take care of itself. You don't have to worry about it, about it. If you're eating vegetables and beans and fruits, you're going to get plenty of fiber.
0: And so this seems like it would be, might be beneficial for somebody with endometriosis as well. And I've, I've, I've heard you speak about that, um, that it's effective for kind of helping to manage um, symptoms of endometriosis too.
1: I would strongly encourage any woman who has endometriosis to give this a really good, solid try um, for a couple of reasons. One is that, as you say, it works. The other reason is that the other treatments that are used are really quite heroic. Um, recurrent surgery, where the gynecologist goes in and removes the endometrial implants from your abdomen, or puts you on hormone-modifying pills and heroic doses of painkillers. I think, wait, 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 back up. What caused the endometriosis? What what drives it is estrogen. Estrogen, well, what we believe is happening is that cells that are supposed to be lining the uterus, the endometrial layer. Those endometrial cells appear to sneak out from the uterus into the abdominal cavity. And that's endometriosis and the the cells implant on your intestine and all over on the ovaries, on the fallopian tubes. And they swell and they bleed and they scar and they hurt and they can damage your ovaries and destroy your fertility and um, doctors will try painkillers they'll try hormonal treatments and then they do surgery and what they ought to do number one day one is say to the young woman who's dealing with this estrogen levels in your body are driving this endometriosis process Mm -hmm. you can reduce the amount of estrogen by going on a plant-based diet meaning no animal products at all and keeping the oils really low. Researchers at Tufts University in Boston brought in 48 women into their laboratory and they locked the door so that the women ate what was provided. They were research volunteers. I'm, I'm kidding a little bit, you know, but, but they, they ate exactly what was provided. And the diets were manipulated in two ways. In one way, they reduced the fat or increased the fat. Separately and completely independently, they reduced the fiber or increased the fiber. And then they could do both, reducing the fat, increasing the fiber, da, da, da. They could do them both. And what they found is that just changing the fat content, nothing else. If you pump up the fat in your diet, your estrogen levels are going to rise, and that is going to push your endometriosis to grow. That, That can be beef fat. It can be chicken fat. It can be fish fat. It can be extra virgin olive oil from Tuscany. Doesn't matter. And the fiber, the more fiber there is, the more it helps you to reduce the estrogen. So let's put it together. If you are hurting, uh, let's get the animal products out of your diet. Keep the oils really low and don't give up your skepticism. I'm not asking a woman to believe it works. You don't have to believe in penicillin. You just have to swallow it. Um, And so you just, you try this. And after a month or two months, if you have done it really, really carefully, two things will happen. A is you will be a believer. Uh, and you'll be telling all your friends about this and you'll be ready to litigate against your doctor for not having told you about it before.
0: Right. <laughs> um,
1: but the other thing is, is that you will say, I thought it was going to be hard and it turned out to be remarkably easy to do. Um, why didn't I try this before? You know, so it's um, it, it, it is absolutely what doctors should be discussing, and what patients should be taking advantage of. And all the side effects are good. You know, over the long run, it's going to reduce your risk of breast cancer, probably reduce the risk of ovarian cancer, uterine cancer, make you feel better. It'll help you eliminate unwanted weight. It will save you from a lifetime of dieting. Um, It's a great, great thing to do.
0: Yeah. So that was my next question was to say, you know, um, there's obviously more benefits to a vegan or plant-based diet as as to what we're discussing here and these problems are of always often um you know just for not everyone has um hypothyroidism or endometriosis or anything like that um and i suppose when you approach a a, a plant-based diet is your approach to be m- the more kind of variety the better um in terms of your fiber sources
1: yeah, I think people, everyone sort of interprets it in their own way. Um, and We do have a certain way that we introduce it um, because people imagine that it's going to be hard. Um, they imagine if you're going vegan, that means you have to acquire a taste for folk music. Um, or maybe it means you're going to have to dress up in tie-dyed clothes or something. You know, You're going to have to adopt a whole vegan lifestyle. And it's actually much, much easier than that. So what we do... In our medical facility here, and I I have to say, I've never, ever seen anyone unable to do this. It's very easy. You take seven days as your first, your first step is seven days. Your second step is 21 days. The seven day step, the first step is you take a week and all you do, you don't take anything out of your diet at all. All you're doing is you're trying to figure out what vegan foods you like. Right. You take a piece of paper and you write breakfast, lunch, dinner, snack, write those categories down. And take seven days and fill it in. So you decide what you would like actually for breakfast, like oatmeal porridge or whatever the case may be. Um, and for lunch, if you want to have instead of meat chili, have a bean chili, have the veggie burger instead of the meat burger, whatever it is. You've got seven days. Try these foods out. If you don't like them, don't write them down. If you like them, they go on your list. After seven days, you'll have a pretty serviceable list. And then step two, we're now going to take 21 days and we're actually going to go vegan 100% for 21 days. And that's quite easy because, frankly, you can do anything for 21 days. And it's a short period of time. But secondly, you already picked out the foods you like. Right. they are already in your refrigerator. So people do it. And at the end of those, that 21-day step, two, they think, I feel better than I felt in a really long time. And I, I want to try it some more. And their whole attitude has changed. And then once you get through your first period, if you go, if you have menstrual pain, go from day one of bleeding to the next period all the way through. So so that, that way you have, you have given your reproductive anatomy a, a full clean cycle. Yeah. And see how see how you do. If you don't, if, if the first half of your cycle is meat and cheese and junk, you have had more than enough estrogenic stimulation that you are going to feel terrible at the end of the month, no matter what you do. So start at the beginning of the cycle. And day one is the first day of any blood, uh, any bleeding at all. And then do it all vegan, low fat, the whole 28 days or thereabouts. And see how you feel. Yeah. And keep the oils low too. Um, it's being vegan is half the battle, but you may discover that even by avoiding animal products, if you're sticking a lot of other greasy things, a lot of chips, oily things, that will set you back.
0: Yeah. Cause it's kind of going to counteract the effect.
1: Right. Yeah. So, so do them both vegan and low fat. Right. But, but enjoy it. You know, uh, you can be, go to an Italian place. They have, Big plate of spaghetti or angel hair pasta covered with arrabbiata sauce or marinara sauce. Or go to a Latin American restaurant. They'll have beans and rice and tortillas and so forth. Or uh, every Chinese restaurant has rice and vegetables and tofu. And go to a sushi bar and say, "I'm not giving. I'm not having the fish sushi, but give me the asparagus roll, the cucumber roll, the sweet potato roll, um, the, mi- the miso soup, the edamame." There are a million things. Go to a Thai restaurant. Go they, every restaurant has vegan food. The, the one challenge is some of them haven't figured out low-fat, but they all have They all have vegan things, and and you you will eat better than you have eaten in your life.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've definitely dabbled in it, but I haven't, I suppose, realized the emphasis on how beneficial it can be until I discovered your book and the way that I, I can understand the power of it. So that, to me, is a, a motivation personally. And um, I wanted to ask you about soy. Is it something? Is it a myth? Is it something that people with um, thyroid issues should uh, uh, avoid, or should everybody avoid soy?
1: I think everybody should probably eat soy, um, okay. <laughs> and, and I'm not kidding. Um, but but I do think I do think we should have more research on it. But um, the reason that some people avoid soy relates to their fear that it causes breast cancer. Um, but the research has. Researchers have weighed into this with, oh, probably about four dozen studies by now. And the the jury is back in the room and has rendered a verdict, and it is very clear that soy gets a complete not guilty when it comes to breast cancer. In fact, women consuming the most soy have about 30% less breast cancer than women who avoid soy. And, And women previously diagnosed with breast cancer. Have, they are about thirty percent less likely to die of their cancer if they are consuming a lot of soy. So soy products. I, I think the confusion was that soy, soy isoflavones. These are the compounds in the soybean. Soy isoflavones do, in fact, attach to estrogen receptors, and that freaked everybody out. You know, it's going to cause uh, breast cancer cells to 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 uh, to promote to be to, to propagate. But the opposite happens. So we now understand that it's attaching to the receptor in the way, same way as your footsteps on the brake of your car. It, it just seems to, to retard the cancer process. So I, I would encourage people to eat it. With regard to, to the thyroid, uh, people have looked at it. There really isn't much evidence that it has an effect one way or the other. But, but frankly, I don't think people have looked enough. They haven't looked at soy and the thyroid to the degree if they have looked at soy and breast cancer soy clearly reduces the risk of breast cancer, it reduces the risk of prostate cancer, but we haven't really looked at at, at thyroid enough.
0: Got it. well, that's a, an answer I wasn't expecting, but it's welcomed. Um,
1: well it, so it, just, really, it is such an important thing. I have to say ignorance of nutrition is 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 so widespread and you will. At medical conferences, once in a while, I run into a well-meaning but ill-informed oncologist who has been busily treating women for breast cancer and tells a woman who asks, what should I eat? He says, well, I would avoid soy. And you ask him, how do you know that? And he read it in a magazine while he was sitting at a swimming pool waiting for his child to get out of you know, class. Um, and it was just some nonsense that wasn't a research study. And it, this it's one of these urban myths. But if you look at the science of it, it is really very clear that soy products do not attach to the alpha receptors preferentially. They attach to beta receptors. You're not stepping on the gas. You're stepping on the brake. And uh, you don't have to have soy. It's totally optional, but it does not cause cancer. It it does reduce the risk.
0: Okay, but um that makes more sense. is there a risk of going too low in estrogen or is that would that be another issue altogether?
1: Um, it's another issue in that um, at menopause estrogen levels plummet and women get hot flashes yeah and, and I, ho- I have a whole chapter on on menopause in your body and balance because, of all the things that really are big motivators for changes in diet and lifestyle that hot flashes is one of the biggies Um, because women who are, you know, you, you reach 50, 51, 52, the ovaries have decided that this is not an age where we want to have a, a toddler on the floor of our kitchen right now. Um, We have to get on with life. So it, it shuts down the reproductive machinery and, Uh, When that happens, the amount of estrogen in your blood will plummet, and, and you discover you've got hot flashes. They don't necessarily last very long, but you can be drenched in sweat, and then after that, you get chills, and they occur in the middle of the night, and you're hot, and then you're frozen and hot and frozen, and you just aren't sleeping, and life is no longer worth living. And you think, what is going on? And you go to the doctor, and the doctor says, don't worry. I've got some estrogen supplements here. And if you take them, you're going to feel great. And, and you do take them. And you know what? You do feel great. They just wipe out your hot flashes. And then about 24 months later, your doctor will say, are you still taking that medication that I gave you? And you say, yes, it's really helping me. And the doctor says, well, didn't I tell you, you can't keep taking this? So you can say, why not? Because it causes cancer. We've, the, 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 these combination hormone replacement therapy medications are strongly associated with, with breast cancer and have been for years. Yeah. So you then throw them in the trash and your hot flashes all come back. And all you've done is delay the whole thing. Um, So in your body imbalance, I describe how we cottoned onto a better way of dealing with it, that for many women, absolutely. It it not just, it doesn't just remove their hot flashes or or tone them down, make them more manageable, but it just changes their life. And and it's all about food.
0: Yeah. It's so, so interesting. (laughs) Um, so just to finish up, cause I know we're coming close on time, your book, um, your body imbalance, um, obviously touches on thyroid issues and, um, you know, periods and endometriosis and all that fun stuff. What else is in there for people who might be listening, um, and are curious?
1: Well, your body balance. when I say balance, I'm talking about hormone, hormone balance. So sexual functioning is estrogen balance and in men, testosterone. And when these things go awry, you end up with menstrual cramps and endometriosis and infertility issues, um, and then hot flashes. And all of that can be dramatically altered by diet choices that get estrogens and, and testosterone back working again. And then we talked about thyroid hormone, which thyroid is really your energy source. And then the biggie that we haven't talked about is insulin, which is the hormone that is doing its mischief when you have diabetes. Um, and back about two decades ago, we were funded by the U.S. government to find a better diet for improving or reversing diabetes. And we did that. Um, and the, the beauty of it is these, all, these diets are all relatively similar. It, it's, it's very much like if you had a car and your car has terrible black exhaust, and it doesn't accelerate well and it doesn't ride well and you get terrible gas mileage and you go to the mechanic and the mechanic says well you're putting unleaded in it right you say no no it's a diesel car I've been putting diesel fuel in it you say wait 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 let's look in the in the owner's manual it's it takes unleaded say, really yes so stop putting diesel in your car put in the unleaded everything gets better
0: and when you
1: take the media Take the meat and the dairy and the junk out of your diet and give your, di- give your body some vegetables and fruits and whole grains and beans. It's amazing. So many of these things start to get better. Now, there are some nuances that are a little bit different for this disorder and that disorder. You do want to fine tune it. But overall, you want to start with a good fuel. And we have been able to get diabetes to improve and in some cases go away. Same with thyroid conditions, same with menstrual cramps, same with all these things. Doctors don't talk with patients about it. They should. It will change your life
0: yeah well thank you so much there's so much to learn for everybody you know to bring their body because the hormones are responsible for so much um of the goings-on in our body so i really really appreciate uh, your time coming on here and especially speaking to um the thyroid issues which is most of a concern for many people who listen to the podcast so thank you so much
1: well thank you for spreading the good word and and good luck to you and good luck to all your listeners